At Naples, in the latter half of the last century, a worthy artist named Gaetano Pisani lived and flourished. He was a musician of great genius, but not of popular reputation. There was in all his compositions something capricious and fantastic, which did not please the taste of the dilettanti of Naples. He was fond of unfamiliar subjects into which he introduced airs and symphonies that excited a kind of terror in those who listened. The names of his pieces will probably suggest their nature. I find, for instance, among his manuscripts these titles, The Feast of the Harpies, The Witches of Benvenato, The Descent of Orpheus into Hades, The Evil Eye, the Eumenides, and many others that evince a powerful imagination delighting in the fearful and supernatural, but often relieved by an airy, delicate fancy with passages of exquisite grace and beauty. It is true that in the selection of his subjects from ancient fable, Gaetano Pisani was much more faithful than his contemporaries to the remote origin of the early genius of Italian opera. Hello and welcome, I'm Douglas Bowles and this is 42 Minutes, a podcast about meaning from SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's March 12th, 2023, and that means that we are one week away from Treefort. Treefort Music Fest, as I've been saying, is a five-day music and culture festival held at numerous venues throughout beautiful downtown Boise, Idaho, as well as Julia Davis Park now being the new location of the main stage March 22nd through 26th, featuring such performers as Unknown Mortal Orchestra, Margot Price, Cautious Clay, Annie DeFranco, Dinosaur Jr., Lady Ray, Old 97's, Tig Notaro, Pinback, Built to Spill, and many, many more. Information and tickets can be found at treefortmusicfest.com. I mentioned experts recently, but today we will converse with a pro. That is a fully professional working musician, and that's a hustle for sure. Jessica Harned graduated from Boise State University in 2012 with a degree in violin performance. After her graduation, she worked to expand her knowledge of her instrument, soon deciding to widen her music performance views and learn music beyond the classical genre. In 2015, Jessica joined Mariachi Sol de Acapulco and has been playing with them ever since. She also worked with the classical pop duo 92 Keys, helping to compose and arrange music. In the fall of 2016, Jessica won her first professional orchestra position with the Boise Philharmonic and has been actively performing ever since. She has also spent time with the Oregon Easy Symphony, Opera Idaho, Boise Baroque, Idaho Shakespeare Festival, and the McCall Summer Symphony. Jessica has also had the pleasure of sharing the stage with artists such as Yo-Yo Ma, Johnny Mathis, and Emily Wells. Apart from her performance life, Jessica is also an active teacher in the community. She has spent time assisting various orchestras in the Treasure Valley but spends the bulk of her time teaching private lessons. She began her studio in 2014, both piano and violin. In 2020, she received her master's degree from Boise State University after having won the Boise Philharmonic Graduate Quartet Fellowship. This experience emboldened her to speak up about the life and experience of black, indigenous, and people of color community within classical music. In 2019, she won an Alexa Rose Foundation grant, which offered her support to further her reach in this area. 
While enjoying her time fostering conversations about representation in classical music on radio, in the classroom, and within her work, she, Jessica also delights in cultivating a space for growth and empowerment in her established violin and piano studio. Outside of her performance life, Harnett enjoys being creative and experiencing music in diverse musical spaces. She regularly collaborates with composers, creates music videos, and recorded and performed with various bands and jazz ensembles. She will be performing at Treefort three times, twice with WEND, the psychedelic goth group, on Wednesday, March 22nd, 950 at the Egyptian. And Friday, March 24th at 11.10 at Old School, which is the old Foothill School building across from the downtown library. And also with the band June, very late, March 23rd, Thursday at 12.50 a.m. at The Reef. It's a pleasure and an honor to be welcoming Harned to the show. How are you doing this morning, Jessica? Hi. Good. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Thank you. you. Lovely. <laughs> what a life, huh? <laughs> so that is what it takes to be a professional musician. Well, goodness, the hustle. Uh, yes, it seems to be excessive, but <laughs> I think that's what I need to do to get things going for myself. Well, I think, like I've spoken to a lot of bands over the years um, for Tree Fort, and. Uh, one of the things that comes up is that when it comes time to do taxes, there's lots of different little, <laughs> lots of little things that you have to add up for a life as a professional musician. So much, so much. Every receipt is, <laughs> yep, accounted for, absolutely. <laughs> well, so I, uh, I had no idea that you, you are a graduate of the Boise State Music Program. I, you probably didn't know this, uh, in a former life, also attended Boise State Music Program. And, yes, yes, awesome. Yeah. Wait, what was your, what was your degree? Say that again? I don't know that. What was your degree focus? Well, I was, I started out as a music, music ed major, and then I decided what? I was going to be a music composition major. And then I just dropped out mm -hmm. to become a rock star altogether. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. But when Great. <laughs> when I came back to school after you know doing my rock star run, then I realized that mm -hmm. being a music major with a baby is really hard. Uh, and mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I uh, yeah. decided to get a degree in German literature at that point. <laughs> Oh, I like it. <laughs> I, love, I love that. Yes. But it, babies need to sleep. <laughs> well, so being a music major is so hard because not only do you have to do all your studies, but then you have to practice your mm. instrument as much as you can every single day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. who was the violin professor when you were there? Um, Craig Purdy is the okay. is yeah. continuing to be the professor yeah. there. Yeah. And he was there That's when I was there too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And um, yeah, I remember especially the master's program was very crazy because um, we had our classroom work. We also had to, you know, be practicing four hours a day. And then on top of that, um, teaching and then performing every night. It just ended up being like this endless schedule. I'm so glad to be done only because there is more time out to breathe. <laughs> How many performance groups are you in currently? Mm. Uh, three. Well, it just depends on how how we think about them. But um, I play 
in the three bands, just like you said, Wen, June, and Maria Chiso de Acaboco. And then um, and then I play with the orchestras, but that's not every week or every day. So, yeah. The Philharmonic rehearses weekly? Is that true? or uh, No, just once, just whenever there's a concert week. Yeah, that's how that works. And so same with the Opera Idaho and Boise Baroque. It's all just whatever, whenever we have a performance on Friday, Saturday, that's the week we practice. And that's it. Well, that's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, not bad. But then you probably know what's coming and have to work on that music as part of your, your daily practice. Yes. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like a month long of prep or two, maybe, if you're lucky. And then you just go and do go and do the work that week. Yeah. Pull it together with the group. So I'm, I'm, what is it like to be part of a, a professional orchestra? Is it is it more intense? I guess so. There's that music that, or that mm-hmm. movie that came out, and I didn't see it. Uh, did you see the, the Oscar? Oh, Tar? Yeah. I actually watched it last night. You did? Because so, I hadn't. Is it a good yeah, movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought, well, I know there's a lot of criticism surrounding it right now, um, especially like um, finally being, they're finally being a movie depicting a female conductor and she's like abusive and power hungry. And so I think that's, uh, that's, um, that's a conversation. But otherwise, uh, did it depict, uh, I think, a lot of the harshness, the intensity of the field? I think it did. And so, um, which is unfortunate, but important to see, I think. And so, um, Philharmonic, is, it, I mean, it is intense for sure. It's a very, it's a very serious place for sure. But I do think that some of the groups I work with are equally as, um, as like serious and focused, but I think it comes from a place of like love, compassion and connection, um, you know, rather than, um, uh, you know, competition. Which is which is the more harsh uh, figure? Is it the chef or the conductor? <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good question. <laughs> I think equal equal plays them, and um, they they play these equally intense roles. I think in their field, so and maybe there's no comparison. Maybe the, or maybe they are the same. I don't know. Well, so let's talk about um, you and your relationship to Tree Fort. Um, sure. How how many Tree Forts have you been to as a just as a fan? Oh, oh, I think every Tree Fort I've been to, I've been I've performed at. Okay. And that oh, how many has that been? Hold on. Okay. Okay. At least five or six tree forts with with the yeah with the bands that you're in currently or have there been other no there have been other i've been played in with one other band two other bands i think at uh tree fort early on and then i think after that the second year i've played was with wend and Kes continues to be and then june this is the first year i'm playing with june and that's exciting and so yeah well, so yeah, that's interesting because, like, when when does an ensemble become a band, or when does a band yeah. become an ensemble? Yeah, is it dependent on size or the instrumentation? I don't know. Or right, the uh, the level of brow, you know, like uh, <laughs> is an <laughs> ensemble is very highbrow. 
It is. It is a highbrow term. It is a highbrow term. Oh, goodness. Well, then maybe. But I think bands, even bands can be so, um, everything they do is so intentional and so focused and so uh, beautifully crafted and um, so so thoughtfully composed that like, I think it still sits equally alongside of whatever we deem to be like the ensemble or whatever we deem to be the composition, you know, it just, uh, it looks a little different, but um, it's, I think it's a, of equal import, you know. This podcast kind of is uh, ruled by synchronicity a little bit. So like whatever is happening in the moment is kind of where I'm, you know, whatever I'm interested in. But I had no idea that you played in Wend until I I was talking to Brian Rushton and he said that that was a performance that really stood out to him last year. And he does the the Radio Boise show Strange Feeling and I realized, oh yeah, I can see why he would be drawn to that kind of music because it is, it's atmospheric and ambient and maybe a little a little dark. Could you talk a little bit about both the performance that you guys did last year at Tree Fort and then, uh, you know, the kind of music that you play? Yeah, sure. So um, last year was, I think, the first time that, well, we, we kind of had, uh, we were starting to create a new direction. I think in previous Tree Forts, when was, you know, the string quartet and the band trying to, like coming together it was totally composed everything was totally composed by riley at least for the uh, uh, the string quartet and um we weren't using pedals we weren't using electric instruments we were um um so we were still very in like classical format and then band format coming together to you know create um vibey ambient you know sounds um and then it kind of like started molding into the prog rock psychedelic prog rock energy which is what the last tree fort was like um and uh me and emily she plays um viola in the boise phil as well as everywhere else um but she and i have our electric instruments now we have a pedal pedal board set up and so last year was us kind of like trying to figure out what electronics meant to us and in our playing and um and i think it was the first time that we composed alongside riley who plays harp um and the rest of the band um and yeah it was kind of a real convergence of both of our worlds to create something like new and interesting it was such a beautiful performance there was a beautiful light show that was created on the spot in um in Sonic Temple Blue, it was just, oh. and it was such a packed audience. It was amazing. It was a great performance. So uh, Sonic Temple Blue, the Masonic Lodge, was it the yeah. the mm-hmm. bigger room or the little room? The littler room. They're, the bigger room. The bigger room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun. So that was cool when we like walk on stage and we're like, oh, it is packed in here. <laughs> that is basically cool. Yeah, yeah. It was such a yeah. It was such a great energy that night. Mm-hmm. When you talk about the band element, is there like a drummer, a bass player, and a guitar player? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I guess that's what I think of when I think band, band. Uh, like yeah. traditional bands. Yeah. Therefore, definitely. Yeah, uh-huh. Wade Ronzi plays um, drums. Uh, Ross Damastis plays guitar, and Nick Archibald plays um, bass and synths. So yeah, this year. 
the first show is at the Egyptian, which is going to be fun. I'm sure you've performed at the Egyptian before. Yes. Yeah, and- but only with the opera, I think. Opera Idaho. I think that's the only time I have. And so I'm excited to do it in this with a different kind of like, you know, musical setup. And we're um, performing with Project Flux as well. Yeah, makes- And I'm curious, uh, what is that? What is Project Flux? Um, I think so Project Flux is a contemporary local dance company. And so they're going to come into the second half of our set, I'm pretty sure. So we perform our, our first part of it. And then the second half, um, they're coming in to do some um, improvisation with us. So I think that'll be fun. So we have no idea what that's going to look like yet until that day. And do you you guys do improvisate or improvisation also? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we meld each piece into the other through little ambient improv um, moments. And so, yeah. So it is part of our, it'll be a nice trade-off of roles, you know. Yeah. So that's, that's the first performance. And then the second performance. um, Yeah. What about these late nights? How does that affect you as a, I mean, like classical musicians are reasonable, reasonable performances but bands are usually late nights yeah i i love being out at night so i'm fine with that but however i don't think <laughs> i don't think i've had a show that starts at 11 10 or like june's show twelve fifty a.m i've not played at that time of day so we're gonna see how it goes yeah i'm, sh- I'm sure the energy of the audience will just like make it all very possible and very awesome well, so I I know June. I've spoken mm-hmm. to June on this program in the past. Awesome. Um, he plays viola, or he played viola in the past, but does he play that in his band too? I think on his album that he just recently released, he played all the viola on those tracks. So basically where me and a couple other, um, a viola and a violinist are coming in and we're going to kind of, we've written tracks or we've written tracks, we've written lines off of what he previously has worked on in his album. And so we, you kind of hear like this string quartet sort of energy in his R&B. Um, it's pretty cool. It's really, really, it's really lovely. It's going to be a great performance. I'm excited. So it's R&B. So there's... Yeah, it's, it's R&B. It's a, it's, okay, interesting. And th- does he sing? Yeah, he does. Yeah, sings. And I think there's probably a little bit of rap in there too. I think he raps a little bit. How frequently do you have to rehearse with these these bands? Do you guys get together once a week, or is it more performance based? Where we've got these gigs coming up, we need to to hit prep. It. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. Went, went. We are very serious about our practice. We practice three times a week. Um, later today, that's where I'm going next. Um, and so, yeah, that's how that's how Wend is. And um, and then June, I just started playing with him um, a couple months ago in his group, and so. We've been meeting once to twice a week. I think right now we're at two to three times a week, just making sure everything's solid, really solid for Tree Fort. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can sense that. But so Wend is pretty three times a week just as as a matter of course then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're always constantly working on something. I think we've been really kind of trying to evolve the sound. Um, and so it's going to be a very heavy a very intense, uh, dark, I guess you can say, um, show, at least the midnight show um, at Old School. Um, 
and yeah, we are always just working on something new or we're always continuing to polish what we've been creating or we have been doing a lot of recordings we're working on. We have an EP that's been finished. There's a there's a, a, a new single based off our new music that is um, dropping Tree Four Week, which is exciting. And then, yeah, we're just kind of prepping for some touring and stuff this summer. If if we were looking for those recordings, where would be the best spot to find them? On your Facebook, Bandcamp, where do you think? Yeah, I would say find us on Instagram so you can be <clears throat> aware of when everything comes out. And that's at wend.music. And then um, I think the music is on Spotify. I believe it's also on Bandcamp. And yeah, there's also a couple things on um, YouTube as well. A couple songs. Okay. And then I'm curious, do you do electric stuff in, with June or is that, um, mm-hmm. it is, what, what about loops and pedals and things of that nature mm-hmm. that too? Or I haven't, I haven't started playing with looping yet. So, um, for now it's just, um, ju- it's just some, it's a little noise. We got some fuzz, we got some distortion, um, playing a lot with reverb, playing a lot with, um, delay. Um, but that's about it. We're keeping it really simple. And then I'm sure we're going to branch out into looping and things in the future. In the bio, I mentioned that, uh, you, you performed with Emily Wells. I think that was a tree fort performer a few years ago. It did. Yeah. She's a, how, how did that come about? And I know she's a big looper. She is. I think that's (laughs) what, uh, I think her looping was the first, and especially on violin and vocal. I think it was the first time I kind of experienced what a violin could do in, in in that scenario. It was so beautiful. She's amazing. I played with her, though, with the 208 Ensemble. Um, and I believe they played at Tree Four in the past as well. But it's um, but the 208 Ensemble um, kind of primarily centers their work around contemporary classical music. And so it was like this combination of uh, that contemporary classical into into Emily Wells's music. Um, we played at Cinder, is it Cinder? In Garden City. So yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that's where we were at. And it was so lovely. I loved that performance. What about as, so uh, I'm, I'm all over the place here, but so we mm-hmm. talked about, uh, you performed at all the tree forts. What about going, mm-hmm. are you too professional? Do you, uh, do you get to have any fun ever? Oh my goodness. I think that's something that bothered me last year. Like we went and we did this wonderful performance at Sonic Temple Blue last year. And then I just had a whole Philharmonic week that week. And so I was just at rehearsal the whole time and just working. And so I was very sad. I missed every show. I think, I think I probably saw Japanese breakfast and that was about it. And that was amazing. I was so happy to see them. Um, But anyway, and so this year I've taken the whole week off for the most part. So I can go to shows and hang out with friends and just kind of experience all these amazing musicians that are coming to town. But, um, do you, yeah. Do you have a plan then? Do you know what you want to see? Or, I mean, the fun <laughs> of Tree Fort, sometimes you just show up anywhere and it's good. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I'm going to see a couple friends' bands. I know I'm going to do that. And so I think that's kind of like in my must go to. But other than that, I'm kind of just going to go along for the ride and see where life takes me. Because I kind of enjoy that sort of energy. There's always something great around the corner that you didn't expect to hear. Okay, so that's also the fun for me. Tell me these friends bands, who they are. Sure. Um, I'll, my my friend uh, Adele, 
Uh, she has a band called Highway 45, and it's her first year playing Tree Fort. I think she's playing. She where is she playing? Oh, at um, well, great. That's not very helpful. Well, she's playing <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, it's kind of like Americana country. Um, and so I I want to go and support her. So I'm excited to hear excited to hear what she's offering. Um, honestly, uh, uh. I wish I had more of it mapped out so I can tell you everyone that's playing and that I am going to go see, but I just haven't done it yet because I'm going to be very spontaneous. Yeah, that's totally fine. <laughs> and uh, it's hard because the lineup is so, there's so much and it's like, there's so much I don't know. And yes. that happens every year. Yes. Every year it's just like, who are all these people and are they any good? I don't know. Right. Uh, Highway 45 at Hannah's at 7 p.m. on Thursday, the 23rd. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to go support her. I'm excited for her. Um, and then otherwise, like, I've seen Joshie's soul, and I believe he's coming this year. Um, yes. Every time his shows are a party, um, when played with him at one point, um, just for, like, a little, a little Boise collab, and, like, his music, big band energy, so so happy so awesome so everyone should go check him out for sure is he from salt lake is that where yeah. he lives i believe yeah. so yeah 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 i mean he's here a lot and so he it's, it's got to be some relatively close I yeah think. yeah uh okay so you started a podcast called classical queens how how long have you done that yeah um i started it about two years ago but um but then i kind of took a, a slight hiatus for a little bit and now i'm back on I'm back on the grind um but yeah i started it just out of the master's program um my master's was centered around women of color and classical music and up until that point um you could not google a black or brown person in classical music that was a female um uh and find any work easily um by them or um their their life's history it was very very difficult to to feel for me to feel seen in the space that i like spend so much time and so i wanted to do some work to see um like where women of color have fit into you know this thing i've spent so much energy on my whole entire life and so um yeah so that's what i did and so i after the program after um, finding so many people I've never heard about that at that time were not even Googleable really. I started kind of creating this list. Um, I call it my lifelong bibliography. That's just a long list of people I need to not only share their stories, but also continue to learn more about. And so that's why I created the podcast because I wanted there to be easy, easily accessible information on, <clears throat> yeah, on women of color and classical music. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. What have you learned and discovered doing that work? Um, you know, I think the, my biggest takeaway was that, um, well, I'm not alone. I think that was important. Um, that, uh, yeah, that I'm not, I think finding a, like a musical heritage, a musical legacy was very important to me. And then, um, Outside of that, I found amazing music that I've never heard of until the past couple years. Um, and so what I try to do, I have live performances for the podcast 
Um, and what I've been trying to do is kind of, you know, showcase this music that isn't played and these stories that are untold in a live setting. Um, and yeah, and that's kind of slowly evolved into like new versions of, uh, yeah, I guess new ways of experiencing the orchestra and experiencing music history. That's what I've been trying to, yeah, create. So is it more contemporary, do you think? Or are you finding historical figures that are like uh, just early, amazing uh, that- inspirations? Yeah, I think all across the board. I think I wanted first to find people um, in early America. I wanted to understand how music was passed down through Black culture, Um, not just uh, music um, like traits, you know, that were brought from Africa, but then how um, how did we get this like American sound that classical musicians talk about so much um, that is completely based off of jazz and blues and like black idioms. And so, and so, yeah, it was, so I've, I've I found amazing people. Um, the first woman to create a music journal and like pass down, um, you know, music education in writing was a black woman um, in Chicago in the, Ooh, like early mid eighteen hundreds. Um, so yeah, I don't know, just crazy cool people. And the only reason we have information is because of the things that they did. And so I just really appreciate that. Yeah, so that's interesting because in the in the conservatory world, it seems like the jazz people and the classical people are slightly different creatures, kind of. You know, because it's Earth. almost like here's these separate worlds. You thou shall not cross right but um <laughs> what is <laughs> i mean it, it's not it's all music and it, music theory is music theory absolutely um but what you know what is your experience with jazz do you do you have much experience with jazz eh, no i don't have a lot of experience with jazz um i think i mean recently when since working with bands i think that's when i've kind of slowly begun to delve into what improvisation means um because you know as a classical musician everything's prescribed you just need to know exactly how to read a page perfectly and i can do that uh, for the most part <laughs> but um but yeah as far as like building something modally or understanding how melodic line fits into this varying chord structure like i think and being able to you know uh, vamp on that live i think that's been very new to me Okay, I'm just coming up with different thoughts as we're talking, though. But like, as a performer, like, what are what are you strongest at? Do you have like a a good ear? Are you a good sight reader? Or, um, you know, yeah. uh, why why did you go the performance route in at Boise State? Oh, why did I go to performance? Oh, you know, I just always wanted to play. I just always wanted to perform. I think it was the thing that made me like the most excited and the most happy. So it was just that simple. And honestly, it was when I was a kid that I made that decision. <laughs> like I was eight and I was just like, oh, I'm just going to play music for my life. And that's just what's happening. And so um, I think that's slowly evolving. Um, I'm trying to maybe find more happiness in in art. And I think that has come from, um, you know, my research and my podcast has come from, um, you know, just seeing fully the spaces that I participate in and um, making um, informed decisions about 
why I continue things or why I don't continue to participate in things. And so I think right now, like everything I do is so varied and so different, but it's, I think it's, I'm about to try to, you know, make some big decisions for my life as to like where I actually fit, you know, in this music life that I've chosen. I wanted that life when I was a young person and I was more practical and thinking that like the expression of my art was more the composition route. And I think that's why I dropped out to be a rock star because uh, bands tend to compose all their own pieces. And, you know, that spoke to what I was thinking about in my early 20s. But like, what is what does your musical life mean for you now, having done it, you know, and having a master's degree and you're a professional, but like it, it's a hustle. Like you have to play a lot all over in lots of different groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, it comes, it becomes, I mean, you do all these things because you love music and you want to make a living at music and that's wonderful. And then it kind of, I mean, when you are pulled in too many directions and there's so much work to do, it kind of becomes, uh, it just it becomes to feel kind of like a slog, right? It becomes like, it feels like a, like a nine to five can or has at least felt for me. And so, um, yeah, so I just want to uh, get back to the excitement and love of performing and putting all this energy and love into this music with people. And um, yeah, and I think that comes from just, yeah, really, yeah, intentionally deciding that I want to participate in like, in certain cultures, and I mean cultures as in um, um, cultures as in the culture that we would see in the orchestra versus the band um, versus the mariachi. Maybe um, I think I'm seeking to find uh, I don't know what feels like intricate and interesting and and complex, but then also feels like home. If that makes sense, I don't know. <laughs> it it does. Okay. So we didn't talk about the the mariachi at all either. Sure. What what is that? Because you probably might be considered an outsider in that. Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I'm just a, just a black girl in mariachi. Whatever. <laughs> um, no, but uh, my friend was like kind of grew up in the mariachis, and she was like trained in the mariachi, so she was able to like memorize everything that ever came in front of her and learn music so quickly and not be afraid of just kind of doing whatever in front of an audience because that is kind of what is required as mariachi like you're always improvising you have a million songs in your head ready to go and you just need to walk on stage and you know do the most um be as emotional and and connect to as many people as possible in like this short window of time. And so she, I, after my undergrad, I had a lot of performance trauma. I had, I could not pick up the violin without shaking. And so I was trying to figure out how to, how to, how to just play and um, kind of get back into music after a, a tough undergrad. And um, so the answer was mariachi. So she made me go. I was very upset and I went, and, and um, they really, they were a group of people who would ask you to go do a hard thing, to go and sing in Spanish, and you don't speak Spanish in front of a room full of Spanish speakers, right? Um, yeah. But if you forgot a word, you could like look at anybody and they would 
they would let you know what it was and like support you in that. So that way you could, you know, you would have a moment where you might falter, but they would catch you. Right. And um, I think that was the best part about being a mariachi. Like you're not alone in this performance. Whereas sometimes in classical music, like if you make that singular mistake, it really feels very, um, it really feels like you, a failure. It feels like, um, you know, you, it's all just about perfection. And so if you lose that perfection, it can be kind of difficult to kind of maintain um, a positive performance or a positive outlook in that space. And so it was nice to to start kind of retraining how I think about performing and 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 learn that, how to just be passionate and how to be free and, um, but also be excellent, you know? Can, so, yeah, that's interesting. It, an orchestra is a big group, but if you make a mistake, does everyone in the orchestra know? Depends on uh, where you made the mistake. <laughs> I think if it's, in, if it's in a very full string section and there's a lot of moving notes, if you make a singular note mistake, no one is going to notice because, uh, you know, you're, you know, deep into a group in a group and and hopefully enough people have played it correctly that it does not stand out but if it's in a moment of quiet and there is a solo and you're the only one to play the wrong note everyone will know you know that it is um yeah, that is you that you know made that mistake so yeah yeah so as you talked about the the mariachi it's interesting because i guess i didn't i haven't thought about that it it seems like the same kind of tradition as the bluegrass tradition where they all know a million songs and they just improvise and play and it's it's human and fun but it's also very virtuosic in that they're the musicians are so good just like it's a like jazz where all those traditions are very similar in that there's a language that they all speak mm-hmm, and they that, play. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, correct. Correct. I yeah, agree. It's fun. It is so fun. Um, and it's so cool to be surrounded by so many people who are just excellent at what they do. As a, as a professional musician, part of your income naturally comes from teaching too. <laughs> do you enjoy that? Or, you know, do you enjoy it less at other times? Or, you know, what's your relationship to to that side of things? Because that's, I'm sure, very important mm-hmm. to make make ends meet. Yeah, correct. Um, it comes, it's come in phases. I think, um, I think where I'm at right now, I love every single person in my studio. Everyone I get to work with is great and I love their families and and everyone tries in, in their own way to like you know grow at their 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 um, instrument and um and so right now I'm like very happy with my studio um but there have been times and, and maybe it's just that maybe I just am too busy or maybe I have students that are less um I don't know invested in themselves um that I think things can get hard um teaching or feels a little thankless like you're not um you're not inspiring them enough to like you know help them grow um at a pace that's useful for them um but I think I think I'm lucky right now that I yeah I just think everyone's great and I yeah I feel content with how things are moving in that arena I don't know if I will forever be teaching um in this capacity uh like privately you know but um but it does not make me sad in any way. And I like that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so do you have anything 
so we're we're winding down here. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything on the on the horizon that you need to share, like performances that you're working on or things that are upcoming that we should know about that you want people to come and see? Um, that's a good question. Um, I do have a couple of big things, but they have yet to be announced. So I would say, um, so I would just say, come follow me on Instagram at classical Queens or, um, at J to beyond. Um, that's my, both my pages. And that's where where you'll see all those performance announcements. And there's going to be some very exciting things coming up in the near future. I can't wait to talk about. Okay, so J and beyond. J to beyond. So the letter J, number two, B-E-Y-O-N. And this is all on Instagram. Yeah. Okay, well, that was 42 Minutes. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's been lovely to chat today. (laughs) Yeah. You've been listening to Jessica Harnan on 42 Minutes, and we will link to all those Instagrams and to uh we'll link to the performances in the show notes the tree fort performances the three tree fort performances that are coming up for more information about tree fort music fest and to purchase tickets visit treefortmusicfest.com if you like this podcast check out others is currently all the sync book radio archives are free we also feature a great search engine to help you find what you need just type in tree fort And over 10 years of 42-minute shows will appear. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com. Thanks so much. And this confession leads me to the sentence with which I will conclude. If there is anything in this book that pleases you, it is certainly mine.
Deeper down we flow.